live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. I'm working for Steve Cofield, and it's just it's just non-stop. Adding, it's a nonstop. Non-stop. In spite of being quite chubby and not eating healthy, I don't have enough donuts. I should eat more donuts because I love them. So Willie's all, Willie's all amped up. Yeah, I'm ready. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Yeah! Here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar is the location. Willie's here. Cofield, three hours on the way. Lots of college football news today. We'll get you ready for the Aces over the weekend. Thursday night, college football recap. We got Friday games already kicking off. Big Saturday week one of college football. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Willie, what up? I haven't seen you in forever. What's going on, my friend? How are you? Pretty good. College, college football is here, so I was fired up last night. I stayed up late into the night. Not that late. Uh, for me, late. Uh, watching San Jose and Fresno State, so I'm ready to go on the most hardcore games and Penn State and Purdue, and I bet games last night, so I'm all amped up. Did you get so amped up at some point that you puked on the sideline? <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me if I did something else out of the other end. Oh, no. I just crapped myself. <laughs> no. Just got fired up. I actually, college football does it to me. I couldn't believe it for the first time in months, which I don't mind doing this anyway with the WNBA, but for the first time in months, I had two college football games on in the living room. One on the big screen, one on the smaller big screen. Pretty cool, right? One in mute. Yep. Kalua even was watching some games. The dog likes TV? The dog likes TV. When it's loud and distracting, it'll catch his attention, and if there's a lot of things going on in the screen, even if it's a, you know, if it's a, you know, it was on yesterday, there was a little bogey marathon on Channel 40. And so I had the Maltese Falcon on. But if there's action on the screen, he'll watch it. So football obviously going on. He's, he was in tuned a little bit. He'd, he'd look up and he'd look down. Look up. Look down. Let's kick things off with college football. Of course. What else are we going to talk about? Well. It's big college football news today. Major. It's big college football news for Las Vegas. Uh, Potentially. I want you to explain that a little bit. So I'm going to take you back in the Wayback Machine because I've been doing radio for a little while, thankfully. And I think – I'll have to look it up. I think it was the year 2000. And I can't even remember. What did we have? So we had – we're going to have a 12-team playoff coming up. Mm. This is called the college football playoff. Yep. The BCS was before that. I guess it must have been early in the BCS where I came in for a show. And basically since, like, frankly, before I was on sports radio, like, as a kid, at, like, 14 or 15, so we're talking mid-'80s, I knew how stupid the college football system was because, yeah, I'm I'm getting into sports as a kid, and I'm like, Playoffs, 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 playoffs. Like, every sport has playoffs that eventually lead to a title game. Your whole goal is to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, the regular season is important, but 
Like, they're real playoffs. And once you get on the dance floor, you have a chance to win a championship. And you don't necessarily have to be the team that showed the best consistently during the regular season. If you get in, you have a chance to win the title. Mm. And then you get to college football, and I remember, I'm like, wait, they're voting on a champion? They're splitting national champions? This is stupid. So we get to the 80s. They finally come up with a way to at least pick a one and two, which is absurd, picking a one and two. So by the time we get to the year 2000, we're doing this BCS thing, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. we're still doing just two. And I remember coming in for a show, and that day they'd agreed to extend the current BCS deal like eight years. And I was so depressed during the day before the show. And I came in, and I was doing the show with the sports pick at the time. Oh, he was so friggin' happy. You know why? Because I was miserable. Because he knew how much I hated the two-team system and picking teams. And I'm like, my God. Another eight years of this? I can't do this anymore. So eventually they push it to four. That's still not good enough. You need to let more people in. There needs to be something closer to the NFL playoffs, the Major League Baseball playoffs. Maybe it doesn't need to be as big as the NBA or the NHL. Frankly, it probably could be easily because we've got over 100 Division One teams. So We finally have something closer to what we should have had when I was a kid in the 80s. And that is 12 teams get in. If you don't have a perfect season, you can get in. If you lose late, you can get in. If you're not one of the chosen ones in a Power 5 conference, you can get in. Now, there are some flaws with what they came up with today, and we'll get to those in the 5 o'clock hour. But this is going to happen now. As they call it, I think it was the college football or the college playoff managers, which is hilarious. They've decided to go with the 12 team playoff system that got knocked down last year now last year a lot of the conferences i think it was the acc and the pac-12 put up the biggest stink Mm -hmm. to not having auto bids and now a year later i think both conferences are like can we just have a chance to be in so they agreed to it today and it's definitely rolling out willie in 2026 it could roll out as early as 2024 but think about it the way i just set this up i was miserable in 2000 that they were going to continue to go with this micro system of teams that were allowed in. And now, maybe 24 years later. Half my life! Can I just wait? Half! I'm not done. Think about that. <laughs> Let me know when I'm I can old. start. I'm old. I'm old. Right? Half my life. I've had to wait for this. And we're finally going to get it. Definitely in 2026. Possibly in 2024. And I got to tell you, anyone out there who was like, oh, too many games. Or the really stupid thought is, same teams are going to make it every year. I don't want to be harsh. Nick Saban is going to die. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to illustrate something. Like, things change. Because they, if they had done this, say, Willie, say they had brought this along in 1995. Oh, my God. I mean, Nebraska's going to make it every year. Are they? Is that right? I mean, USC's a cinch. You know, 2004. SC's going to be in every freaking year. Things change. Alabama won't always be Alabama. And what this does is give everyone a little bit of hope. Even the group of fives, I still think they have to tweak it a little more. But now 
We're going to have something close to real sports. And for those lamenting, give me a break. This is what we need. The dream is out there. Every kid can at least have the smallest shot of getting onto the dance floor if you go unbeaten. This is great. And if you think it's going to make the regular season less important, you're a clown because that's already been proven to be incorrect with the four-team playoff. This is awesome. And whatever forces brought it about, Willie, however this happened, I don't care. I'm finally freed from my mental anguish of, you know, 30 years ago. We finally have something that's going to be fun to watch with lots of schools involved. Hallelujah. You done? You going to breathe? Don't ever get in the way of a good rant. If you want to go 20 minutes, Ari, we're blocking out the whole hour for Willie. Let's do it. Go ahead. Just, 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 just say what's on your mind. Say what you feel. Here's a, here's a, here's an interesting question because you talked about when you were younger, before you got in sports radio and everything. Remember when? Because nothing's changed in college football in terms of, you know, maybe the powerhouses that be, but in terms of the amount of teams, right? The bowl games have grown. We've got the, you know, Auntie M's Pretzel Bowl or whatever. I mean, you know, we got every hokey bowl you can think of, but. Back when you and I were kids watching Brent Musburger on Sunday mornings, Howard Cosell on Monday, uh, Monday nights, we were watching Keith Jackson on Saturdays. We were okay with AP and UPI unanimous. There was no championship game. It was just – I just – I know you just said. I'm just saying in general. When we – I think I was society, more I think I, Yeah. Well, no. No, well society, were we as a society okay with it? I'm not going to get in the way you're at. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that – well, maybe because there was no social media, so we're not reading it. The only thing you could do is read the newspaper. You couldn't really hear anything else. Nobody talked about a playoff system, and I'm not. And I'm all for the You're playoff right. system. That, that is that's an that's a great touche, right? Because we didn't have sports talk radio. We didn't have well, social there was sports media. talk radio, but there wasn't a lot. There of, wasn't there, there wasn't twenty four hour. No, there were shows in local markets. Yeah. yeah. So, but you're right. I guess I guess I guess in the mid eighties, a lot of people were satisfied with it. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. No, it's always been, you know, there have been people that say, so when I say we, I mean, yeah. okay. Society. But now it's every year at this time and then throughout the season. And then, of course, as we get close to that first week where the BGS rankings or the playoff rankings or the this rankings or the that ranking, every time it started, all of a sudden, oh, what about this team? What about that team? So you're right. Expanding to 12, it expands to a lot of teams that, hey, how many times in the past however many years, maybe – a Mountain West team, they, they said, was c- creeping up, but no, they're not good enough because of the strength of schedule. Other teams in different conferences. The year that Boise State, with that Statue of Liberty and the running back, Ian, I think his name was, proposed to the cheerleader, right? And they knocked off Oklahoma. They thought that, that could have been a team. They could have been. How many times we've seen a team beat Alabama because they were disappointed that they didn't get to the championship and it was not a Power Five. So they challenged that, you know. So now we have it. And it's going to be good for a lot of cities, including Las Vegas. We're going to be a central part of it, no doubt about it. So what they're going to do is they're going to have a 12-team model, six highest-ranked conference champions. I don't think there should be a CFP collect, uh, selection committee anymore. Um, I'd like to get away from that. But six, six highest-rated conference champions, six at-large teams. So there will be some tweaking that's needed. There will be some bitching and kvetching over it. But expanding it is a good thing. It's going to happen in 2026 for sure. It might happen as soon as 2024. We're just getting started here on a Friday. Treasure Island, Golden Circle, 
Sportsbook and Bar is the location. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Almost heaven, West Virginia. Daniel's going to throw on first down, goes to the sidelines, has a man wide open. Last night against Pitt, I bet West Virginia in the game. Luckily got a good number, plus seven and a half, and went up to plus eight. They should have won that game, but a tip pass goes the distance. 70,000 in Pittsburgh, and they hadn't played the backyard brawl for a while, so West Virginia and Pittsburgh tee it back up. Awesome game, and uh, we're off and running with week one of the college football season. Do you blame that pass on Daniels or the receiver? No, the receiver was right in his hands. It's a little high. I mean, come on. They got to be perfect on every pass. The receiver touches the ball. He should catch it, yes, but it was high. Starts with the quarterback. Well, I'm not you, putting it on the receiver. I would have been sad last night if I had gone own 4 I didn't. So it worked out. Worked out. When That's I it. first wrote that play up early in the week, it was 6.5 still. Yeah. That's why numbers are important. Yeah. Get especially, the right. especially around that number. Around that number. I mean, yeah. it's such a key number. Yeah. So, yeah, 7.5. Um, this is a really important month for everyone. It's not just for a few of us, for everyone. Explain. Yeah, it's Suicide Prevention Month. And um, so if you follow me on any social media for the next 30 days, every single day I will remind you what day it is, day three, day four, day five. And, uh, you know, it's something personal to me um, in battling uh, suicide thoughts some time ago and then finally writing about it. Um, actually, posting about it in 2018 on Facebook and then writing about it in 2020 during the pandemic after Kayla McBride from the Aces at the time. She had done a self-penned article. I thought she was one of the toughest athletes that I had ever really encountered of all my years. And um, when I read that, it answered a lot of questions as far as her toughness. So for me, I, I wrote my story on my website. and um, But you see it all the time, um, you know, especially now with younger, the younger generation. Um, social media, bullying, cyberbullying, you name it. Um, feeling a little bit of lost, not feeling as if they belong, and, and you just sort of get lost in your own mental thoughts. And, and um, So it's important. It's important to talk. It really is because I've been able to talk about, nor- talk about it like it's normal. Like I talk about suicide and mental health issues like we're going to talk about college football for the next two and a half hours. And when you be when it becomes part of the norm, and you can just talk about the issues without feeling as if you're damaged, um, it, it it really helps ease the the pain or whatever it is you're going through. Because, as they say, as I have the tattoo, it's okay to not be okay, and you have to accept that. And you know, um, all genders go through it, but like I'm very heavy, as you've gotten to know, Steve, that you know men's health because men are the ones, especially professional athletes. They feel that it's a sign of weakness, maybe. You know, John Wall tweeted out or put out, you know, I thought about committing suicide, tearing my Achilles, my mom passing, my grandma dying a year later in the midst of COVID, me going to chemotherapy, sitting by my mom, taking her last breaths, wearing the same clothes for three days straight. So, I mean, you never know what somebody's going through. I would through. never think of that. Right. That guy's making $50 million a year. A lot of us look at that and they're like, 
ah, eh, you know what? I mean, the injury sucks and having a rehab from an injury, but he's still making money. It's not like, you know, he's on a destitute uh, doorstep. He'll be fine. He had a lot going on. It's like the quote you see with the Robin Williams meme that he said, you know, some of the happiest people are the weakest. Some of the strongest people on the outside are the weakest people on the inside. I find a lot of times I send these group messages from time to time, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 people randomly, 16 sometimes, just a weird number, whatever. I'll just send it all, scroll through my contact list, and I'll just shoot out, go, hey, I was thinking about you today. The other day I did one, I was like, hey, just want to let you know I was checking in, seeing how I love all you MFers. Like just ending it kind of on a funny note, but at the same time letting you know I'm checking in. A lot of times I do that when I'm at my weakest point mentally because I feel like I'm checking in. So somebody may check back and go, hey, I really needed that. And it sort of helps your mindset. And what I learned from a, 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 a one-on-one talk during an IG live session that Vernon Fox, our local guy, Vernon Fox, he did with Brian Dawkins, who went through a lot of stuff, right? Here's a hard-hitting safety, right? Legendary. And you hear him talk, and, and, and it really stuck with me was that he calls it cerebral health. Because as people, if you go through mental health issues or you go through depression, you can't control it. It's like someone going, wow, you got everything going for you. You shouldn't be going through that. Oh, great, thanks. Let me just snap out of it. I didn't realize that. I didn't, whoa, how wouldn't I have just thought of that? I'll just stop being depressed. No, you can't. It just kicks in and it hits until you can get over it. Well, that's cerebral. That's in your brain. The mental health part of it is the strong part. That's not the weak part. It's weak if you can't control it. Cerebral health issues is really the problem. Mental health issues is how you deal with it. And what I found is it's important to talk. So I urge every single one of you out there, especially you men, um, talk. Just talk. You know, um, I, I had tweeted something one time. I can't remember what it was. And in our, in our uh, what do you call it, P1, Brady, he DM'd me. He was like, hey, man, you good? Just checking because he, he noticed something in the tweet. You know, so, I mean, it's sometimes you just got to be able to release. We have uh, some super inspirational stories locally. People who have overcome athletes, who have overcome a lot. One of them is Max Crosby. He has. He, uh, you know, after his rookie season, he checked himself into rehab uh, for alcoholism. And uh, his rock, his, his soul, Rachel Washburn, his fiance, they've been together, as he puts it, before he was anybody. When he went to Eastern Michigan and... Um, you know, and he he led a sort of you know he led a typical college athlete's life, partying it up in, in Eastern Michigan and playing for Chris Creighton, who who is very fond of him. He gets drafted in the fourth round for whatever reason. Just something kicked in, and he afterwards he checked himself. You know, he probably knew he could do better. Rachel has been by his side um, through thick and thin. Comes out has somewhat of a pedestrian sophomore season, and then just refocuses everything in his life, everything. His regimen, his time he wakes up, it's never wavered since then. Last year, of course, he has that incredible season. Between sacks and, I believe, quarterback hits, he's ranked 17th in the NFL since he's entered the league and got that huge extension. Now he's one of the most feared pass rushers in the league. October 3rd, we're one month away. One month and one day, him and Rachel are expecting a baby girl. They'll be married in March and... She granted me an exclusive interview um, to tie in with Max's last media availability. I texted him. I talked to him after the Vikings game. I said, hey, I'm going to text you in the next couple of weeks. I want to do this piece on more on the fatherhood. And he said, yeah, no problem, whatever. So after I went over my notes last night, I texted him. Hey, Max, I think I'm good, but I, I'd really like to just brush up on something, get some. He said, man, I really just, it's four, they got four days off. 
So I think out of respect, he was just like, I'm not doing any interviews this weekend. And then we texted a couple back and forth, and, and that was it. And I respected that. I didn't say, oh, I could just – because I had enough, but I just wanted an updated, my own type of quotes. But what he gave me was fine, and I let Rachel and McDaniels kind of dictate the story with their quotes. So it's at the top of my timeline. It's, it's not your typical Max Crosby, here's what he's done, here's his statistics. It's a little more personal about him becoming a father. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. Rolling on Cofield and Company live here at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Let's break down the Raiders. Let's break down the Raiders roster moves getting down to 53. A guy who played for the Oakland Raiders, Stanford Route, joins us every single Friday. He does the Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman. He's also working with his alma mater's football program, Houston Cougars, and Stanford right out. Cougars have a big game tomorrow against a good UTSA team. This is a dangerous spot for you guys. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, UTSA had a very good season last year being in Conference USA, and they're going to go ahead and try to carry that into this season. And you know they're going to come out guns blazed, and it's going to be the, a very lively atmosphere. The crowd is going to be into us, so definitely got to make sure that uh, uh able to weather the storm early on and make sure that we're able to make plays down the field. That way we can go ahead and uh, come out with a victory. I would assume it's going to be a monster crowd since this is a great chance for UTSA to kind of punch up at uh, Houston before they move on to the Big 12. UTSA has made big advances in terms of funding because they just signed their coach to an extension. I think it was a 10-year deal for $28 million. So that coach is making nearly uh, three mil a year, and they've got a really good quarterback returning. Uh, They've got great receivers. And on your side, Clayton Toon's a really good, really good quarterback. Oh, yeah. Clayton Toon, uh, one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the country, in my opinion. And I think he's going to go ahead and continue that progression into this season and uh, look for big things out of him because he's got the playmakers that he needs around him. And as a defensive player, as defensive-minded, you got to make sure that you're able to get off the field to give him the ball back, sometimes even give him short fields. That way he can do what he does best and put the ball in the end zone. Believe in Rodder, uh, Raiders. Believe in Raiders podcast is where you can hear Stanford every week with Dennis Ackerman. I was listening to uh, this week's episode a little bit with Paul Gutierrez from ESPN.com. So let's piggyback that because you guys talked about the roster and getting down to 53. And obviously the surprise move for a lot of people was Alex Leatherwood, 17th yeah. pick in the draft a year ago, going bye-bye. Why did that happen? Oh, man, I think that it just goes to show that in today's generation, uh, teams are not beholden. Teams are not as loyal to those first round picks like they were back in my generation or even, you know, years before that, just because the guaranteed money is not the same. It's not that big, large lump sum of a contract that you're giving a guy before he even plays his first down in the NFL. So that's why teams are not feeling as beholden. They're not feeling as, as handcuffed by those draft picks as they once were. And now, because you now have a new regime that comes over from the New England Patriots, now I definitely don't have that connection with you. I definitely don't feel tied with you. So it's very easy for me to go ahead and cut bait with you. That way we don't have to try to find a way to massage or find a way to just rectify what we perceive as somebody else's mistake. This is kind of amazing, though, and I feel like there's such a love fest going on right now with the new regime. Everyone is impressed with Josh McDaniels and how smart he is and Dave Ziegler and you know personnel uh, judgment and decisions. There is a risk here. I mean, there is a risk. You're rolling out right tackles like 
Jermaine Illuminor, who's been bouncing around the league. I think they want to play Thayer Munford at some point, a seventh-round pick. They're rolling the dice here, especially if Leatherwood, you know, even this year or down the road, actually lives up to his promise. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I think that uh, to let a guy go after his first year, his rookie year, I think that's probably premature, especially saying that he was a first-round pick. So it's not like this guy was a late-round, seventh-rounder, undrafted free agent. So clearly he has first-round pedigree coming out of the University of Alabama. So clearly there is something there. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that – if that guy was to go to another team and he becomes a, a good player, he becomes a star player, dare I say a pro bowl or something like that, that's going to be pie in your face for the Las Vegas Raiders regime as far as not being able to identify talent, not being able to go ahead and try to grow and produce talent within certain guys who you may have deemed as not being worth the risk or should I say worth the trouble. So it's definitely a roll of the dice. And I think that in their own defense, coming from that New England Patriots brain trust within a Bill Belichick, how you saw for so many years Tom Brady would be one of the least-touched quarterbacks in the NFL, even though they're going against teams with top pass rush ability, and that is simply getting the ball out quick, a lot of three-step, having a max protect, leaving a fullback or a tight end in to go ahead and block to try to go ahead and shore up that quarterback's blind side. Things like that, I believe, is why the Raiders felt comfortable in letting Alex Leatherwood go as far as their approach to being able to protect Derek Carr so he can go ahead and get the ball to his plethora of playmakers that he has on the outside. I feel like a lot of what happened to Leatherwood was in between the years that he lost his confidence. There was a back-to-back -back play situation in the final preseason game where you know he got destroyed and pushed back into the quarterback on one play and then whiffed on the next, and I think he was just still thinking about what was going on. Yeah. Did you ever play with a guy, maybe a young guy, maybe a veteran, where you're looking at him in training camp and even early in the season, you're like, man, I don't know if he's going to get it together mentally for this team. And sometimes going somewhere else is just what you need. you got to get a fresh start. Oh, yeah. I've had uh, several instances where I've either, A, seen that, uh, whether it's directly, indirectly, things like that. And I think that comes down to coaching. I think that also comes down to just the, 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 the organization because – Everybody is talented in this league. Nobody gets drafted that high and they don't have no talent. So to be able to produce that talent out of that human being, to be able to gain production out of them, a lot of that comes down to coaching, it comes down to organization, it comes down to structure, it comes down to scheme, it comes down to all those things. And if you are putting a kid in a situation where he's not able to be successful or he's not able to be the best he can be, that's just as much on you, the organization, as it is on that player, maybe even more so for the organization. So I think that while the player obviously has to produce, while he obviously has to get better, he has to become a better professional, better pro, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's also incumbent upon that organization to make sure that they put him in the best position to be successful, a la the scheme, the coaching, the preparation, motivating him the right way, things like that. So I think that it's twofold. But, uh, but to your point, yes, I've been in situations, I've seen it firsthand where a guy does not have the right structure around him so he can be successful. So one play, one negative play turns into two, turns into three, turns into four, and then all of a sudden they want to wash their hands with the kid. But when you really, really look at that team, when you really, really look at that that organization, when you look, when you look at that head coach, that 
offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, you also can really tell that, you know, they're not exactly really hitting it out the ballpark with everybody at that specific position for this one kid that they decided they just want to wash their hands with because they felt that they couldn't reach. Well, they washed their hands of Trayvon Mullen. We're talking to Stanford Route, former defensive back for the Oakland Raiders. That was a bold move. A lot of people thought Mullen, once healthy, would be one of the starters at cornerback. He's off to the Cardinals. What do you think happened here? Is it just the injury problems? Is it Trayvon Mullen doesn't match what they want to do on the corners? I think it's a little bit of both. I think uh, obviously the injury, but also you got a new regime that just came in, and they have their own mindset as far as the type of guys they want, the type of DBs that they want, that they want to go ahead and go after in free agency or the draft or just signing uh, free agents off the, off the street, things like that. So it's always going to be a little different whenever a new regime comes in, a new organization, a new mindset, a new facelift to that organization. You're always going to have some of those casualties. And I think that Trayvon Mullen, along with Alex Leatherwood, were just the latest in obviously this new facelift that the Las Vegas Raiders have received. So can you get a read on what McDaniels, what Graham are looking for at corner based on the fact that they brought in uh, Averett, you know, Yacre, uh, Rakusin, uh via trade. Hobbs is still around. What are they looking for? Well, uh, I still know several people within the organization. And from what I've gathered, from what I've been told directly, is pretty much that right now they're looking more for the smaller, more for the cerebral, the, uh, the corner with the good ball skills, things like that, who's able to pick up a complex package, who's able to play multiple positions. But nonetheless, somebody that they're willing to, let's say, go ahead and, and they're willing to go without a little bit of the upside as far as talent as long as they have the cerebral, the good ball skills, things like that. And uh, I remember just talking to one of the scouts that they told me that they'd much rather have the shorter guy who's smarter, has good quickness, twitchy, things like that, than the longer DB who probably has a little bit more talent, maybe a little bit more long speed, things like that, because the shorter guy they can put in different situations. You can put him in the nickel. Maybe you can put him outside. He's able to pick up zone coverage along with man, things like that, has better ball skills, probably played a little bit of offense maybe in high school or college, what have you, things like that. That, to me, right now is from what I gather, what I'm able to extrapolate from all the people that I've talked to. That's what the Raiders are looking for right now from the cornerback position from a scout standpoint. Folks listening to this interview, you heard Stanford say ball skills like six times. And that's not a bad thing because it's clear if you're going to compete in this division with Patrick Mahomes, with Russell Wilson, with Justin Herbert, where those teams are throwing the ball all over the place, you have to get more than six interceptions this season. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you just have <laughs> yeah, to. That, you have to. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head, Steve. So I think that um, uh, that that's something that definitely you could tell was a point of emphasis as far as what they were looking for from the cornerback position coming into this season. Now, I still don't feel that they were able to actually uh, shore up to solidify everything in the back end i feel like there's still a lot left to be desired but as far as the mindset for what they're looking for going forward it's very clear that they have that in mind and yes with a justin herbert with a russell wilson with a pad mahomes you're gonna have to be able to get the ball out of the air but i think that for the raiders in their defense i think that is why they went after chandler jones that is why they want to make sure that they go ahead and lock up Max Crosby for years to come because what is a DB's best friend? That's pass rush. And that is one thing that the Raiders made sure to address this past offseason. The way the Raiders roster looks now may not be the look 
next Sunday because there's a couple of things here. They only kept eight offensive linemen. That's insane. And they kept six running backs, if you include – Six four, running backs, yeah. If you uh-huh. include uh, Jakob Johnson, there's going to be some movement there. They have to get a little yes. more in terms of O-line, and maybe they'll be looking for more cornerbacks. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that, you know, whenever you keep that many running backs, now, like I said, we all know that for the New England Patriots, that is something that they always had a stable of because you've got to have different types of backs for change of pace, things like that. So just with that being said, that probably is going to be used as a trade piece of some sort going forward to go ahead and try to get another offensive lineman, maybe try to get another DB to add them to the fold. So I definitely think that what you see right now is the 53-man roster is not going to be the same that you see in nine days whenever they open up the season. Let's say Darren Waller is healthy because I believe he has been healthy the whole time. This has been a contract thing where he sat out practice. McDaniels has said, hey, he's been in the film room. He's been doing the studying. But let's be real here. If he's playing on opening day against the Chargers, he's 100% good to go in terms of regaining chemistry with Carr, but more importantly, understanding the offense, even not practicing. Yeah, I think that he can understand the offense, even not practicing. You're going to maybe see a little bit of timing issues in the early going, obviously because they haven't been able to work on that. They haven't been able to perfect that throughout a uh, training camp. But these are two professionals, Derek Carr, Darren Waller. They're two professionals, Pro Bowl-level players. So I don't think it's going to take them a long time to go ahead and try to regain, notice I said regain, not gain, regain that chemistry that they've had for the last couple of years. So I think that uh, a lot of people are making it a bigger story than it needs to be just because Darren Waller has been a Las Vegas Raider for some time. Darren Waller is going to be back in the fold at some point, and Darren Waller is going to ball like he always does. Last weekend looked awesome. Raiders did their alumni weekend. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's crazy. Beautiful. You played for the Raiders for a good amount of time. We're talking to Stanford route, but, you know, we've been told by many people. Uh, we had uh, TJ Hushmanzada on a couple of weeks ago, and he played one year with the Raiders, and he's like, this organization is unbelievable. Like, I barely, you know, <laughs> I was barely part of, the, part of the organization, and they treat me like a king. Uh, Incognito was back this last weekend. Uh, I know you came a little late, but did you, uh, did you enjoy yourself? And then, you know, yes. in terms of hooking up with different people, who are some friends that you saw or maybe some people you haven't seen in a while that you enjoyed talking to? Oh, wow. Uh, Lamar Houston, Jacoby Ford, Justin Fargus. Uh, let me see here. Khalif Barnes, Isaiah Ikajuba, uh, who's another one. Let me see. Uh, uh, my, one of my DB coaches from all my years there, Lionel Washington. We called him Speedy. Uh, I mean, it was so many, too many to name. Those are just off the top of my head. And yeah. mind you, I came on Saturday night. And, like, I was only there for, what, maybe a couple hours because I had to get back to Texas. So, yeah, just, just those – just those come into mind just off the top of my head in the little bit of time that I was there. So it's always a great time being at that reunion, reconnecting and just, you know, rekindling and just reminiscing about a lot of those good times being in that black and silver. So it's always a beautiful event. Working with the Cougar program on a pregame night. Can you do anything except hunker <laughs> down and study like the Riverwalk is pretty cool. San Antonio is a really cool city. Can you go and hang out a little bit? I mean, I really have no idea. I haven't, like, you know, <laughs> been in this situation in quite a long time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the main thing is that, you know, as a player or just even somebody who's, like, even a part of the organization, you know, you're there to 
win the game. That's the main thing. And everything else take care, takes care of itself. So I was always raised to believe, I was always taught that you want to make sure that you take care of the main focus at hand. And anything else is going to come secondary. And then, you know, once the season is over with, you have all the time in the world to do X, Y, Z. But, uh, but during this time, during the season, while the season is going on, you want to go ahead and be locked in and be super focused. Do your job. Do your job, exactly. right? Do your yeah. job. Stanford Rout, you can find him on the uh, Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman. The uh, latest episode is up with Paul Gutierrez. Stanford, good luck in the game. Uh, I'll be watching. I think it's one of the best games of the day, and uh, we'll talk oh, to you next week. Be. Oh, appreciate you, my man. You be good. Be safe. See you next week. There he is, Stanford Rout, our Raiders insider. Believe in Raiders podcast. It's up right now. Check it out. We're here at Treasure Island. We finish up at 6 on Cofield and Company. Then Willie is back. Tomorrow with Gooch, throw the flag, 9 a.m. The early college football games will be up on the big screens, 55-plus TVs around the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. And now they're rolling out the breakfast menu, 9.30 a to noon. Chorizo con papa's breakfast bowl, breakfast sandwich, chicken chilaquiles, and the breakfast meat lover's quesadilla. Plus, you can grab bottomless mimosas or Bloody Mary pitchers. This is the spot on Saturday mornings, and you can check out the show with Willie and Gooch at the Treasure Island. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Here's the shot. Mims out of the backfield. Beautiful play call and execution. It's a touchdown. Fresno State. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Thanks to Stanford Rapp for popping on, former Oakland Raider. He's going to be with the Cougar football team for that game in San Antonio against UTSA. We got college football games coming up. That was Fresno last night from FS1 as Mims, their new running back, replacing Ronnie Rivers with a solid night. Jake Hayner. Awesome as always. He did get knocked around a little bit, and we're going to touch on that with our college football insider, Michael Felder, in about 10 minutes. Mike from Stadium and also part of the uh, Learfield podcast package. So we got Serena Williams starting up here, so we're going to be keeping an eye on that, which is incredible. That's awesome. Mm. And the ladies of Vegas, the Aces, are back on Sunday. They got a split. You don't get a split, you're probably cooked. They got a split. But what did you see in the first couple of games where you're like, well, can they win this series? What I saw is that as dominant as Asia Wilson wants to be when she wants to be, Brianna Stewart's the best player in the WNBA. And I'm not sure if you let her do what she wants and I and then – and then defend everybody else, give them no space, make it hard to get the ball to her, or you got to figure out a way to stop her. Now, De'Erica Hamby, here's an, here's an interesting little nugget. Um, De'Erica Hamby has been injured. Natalie Williams went on the morning show and said she won't be back for this series. That night, I believe was game one, somebody asked, Becky Hammond about Dierica, and she said, uh, I'm not sure she won't play tonight, obviously, but we're not sure. So I pulled her aside. I said, so conflicting stories. You realize that Natalie was on in the morning and said she's out for the entire series. He goes, yeah, I don't expect her to be. Then I talked to Natalie Williams, the GM, and I said, you know, I was a little surprised because we were talking in general. We talked before every game. She said, I said, I was a little shocked that she kind of threw it out there that she's not available. He goes, yeah, well, you know, might as well just be transparent. 
out of nowhere, game two. Derrica Hamby, midday. Oh, she's been upgraded to questionable. So I'm not sure if it had to do with the fact that it was pointed out that it was thrown out there to maybe throw the storm off and maybe possibly get them prepared or worried about. I'm not sure how what benefit that did if that was the case. Um, but the original thought that she wasn't going to be available. That all being said, if she can play, it would behoove the Aces if they drop game three to get that knee ready, whatever she needs to do. As long as it's not going to further damage, if she can endure the, the pain of a contusion on the bone. Because what she does is adds physical presence on Brianna Stewart. When I say lean on her, I'm talking about have a body on her, pushing her, posting her up, forcing her to move weight to wear her down because Dierica Hamby does it. You know, she's fantastic at doing that. Now, Asia Wilson's a defensive player of the year, but that wears on her energy is too, so it takes a lot off of Asia. So it would behoove them, if they need her, to get her in if they lose game three. It's kind of cool, though, right? Think about it. How often in basketball do you get possibly the best player in the league going against the best defensive player in the league, and they actually play the same position, and they kind of match up size-wise? It's, it, it really is, and here's the thing. I um, I asked, or, or no, somebody asked Becky Hammond, and Becky said, you know, the, the bottom line is, yes, they're the best too, but they kind of cancel each other out. You see what they do. One scores third, the other one scores third, 32, 33, whatever it is. They kind of cancel each other out. It's, it's the supporting cast, and it was one of the very first things I asked everybody that first game before the game just to kind of get a vibe. Um, I asked Becky. I asked um, – Raquana Williams, and I asked Sue Bird just to kind of, like I said, just get a feel where they're at. Do you, don't you think that the bench is the X factor, the, that key? There's a, in, uh, someone else besides the star players. We all know what you bring, Sue. We all know what Brianna brings. Someone off the bench, Brianna, uh, Brianna January for you, for you ladies, um, possibly Raquana Williams, whoever it is going to be off the bench, that's the X factor because, and sure enough, Becky said it after game two. Hey, Asia and Brianna cancel each other out because they're going to get what they're going to get. They do what they do. From there, it's who's going to step up. I have a quandary. Oh, boy. What do I do? So last night, I don't know if you know, I'm not a great better, and I don't bet a lot of money because I know that I'm a knucklehead, and I also like to bet on emotion. And oftentimes... When I really dislike a team, I will bet on them because if they win, then I win. If they lose, I win. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I don't mind a little, you know, a little bit of money. I'll invest in it, right? So last night when Penn State was down, I'm like, ah, screw it. You know what? I'm going to bet Penn State plus two and a half. So they won. I'm not happy because I don't like Penn State, but I won money. Yes. I really want Serena Williams to win tonight. I think I have to bet whoever this lady is, Tom Jonovich. How do you say her name? Tom Leonovich? Or, well, I don't know how to say yeah. her name. Uh, she, if I'm not mistaken, she was part of the World Team Tennis Circuit when I was covering. She's plus 135. So you want to bet her so that way at least you're happy of the fact that you won money if you're sad that Serena's career is over. That's stupid logic, isn't it? Well, but I don't Really stupid. I'm not sure. I mean, I've heard some stupider logic in the past couple of weeks and listening to the guy on your left with his uh, – 
hokey stuff. Dangerous that Danny's very dangerous in the book to himself. Is it dangerous or degenerate, Danny? I can't oh, I didn't remember. Know he's got but a- he's he's now got a special intro in the morning. With they made a whole rejoin oh, for really? this guy. Oh yeah, he comes oh, up updating production. The nice. only thing I really appreciate from listening in the morning with Dan- is is Danny's uh, takes with the WNBA because he's all over the player props, the game props, the this props, the that props, charting. I mean. He showed up at one of the games with his lady. It was kind of fantastic. He was telling me all the action he had. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are you getting on our guy, Dangerous Danny? No. Or are you trying to protect him? I'm rolling with him a little bit. Give him a little rib shot. All right, watch yourself. All right. Careful. Yeah. So you know the way this operates, right? You get on Danny, you get on me. And I'm going to protect my people. Four o'clock hours on the way. College football breakdown, Michael Felder. 